this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. The aim of this final podcast in this series where I'm reading from my book, The True Church of God, is to try and paint a final picture and a summary of what the church should look like when it is structured correctly according to the scriptures. In the book, I cover a lot of information showing many of the false teachings affecting the modern church, as well as some of the things the church should be doing. Best of all, the way the church should be structured and operate is not meant to be complex. It's not meant to have massive layers of clergy, complex rules and practices for worship and elaborate and expensive buildings. So it seemed to me to be a good idea to summarise what the church should look like rather than what it actually looks like in many congregations today where false doctrines have polluted the church. The first thing we looked at is that we are individually members of the body of Christ and collectively the church is being groomed to become the bride of Christ. The church must be spotless, holy and without blemish before she is presented to Christ as his eternal bride. This can only happen when and if the church is functioning according to the principles laid down in the Bible, according to the pattern that Christ established for his church. The truth of the church is about people meeting and coming together for the purpose of praising and worshipping the Lord and so that they can learn the ways of the Lord to follow him to maturity in Jesus Christ. The structure of the church begins with Christ as a foundation. He is the cornerstone and head of the church. No one else has the right to his place at the head of the church, and any man that does take his place is establishing an antichrist structure. Instead, the church should be led by a co-equal group of elders, not one, but several, because one person can be led astray by the devil. Eldership has many roles in the church for the protection of the congregation and the protection of the truth of the gospel. And this was discussed when I spoke about eldership in the uh, in an earlier podcast. And we noted throughout that all members of the church are equal to each other. No one is greater than anyone else, as we are all one in Christ, and we are all brothers and sisters in him. Even the elders are no greater, for they are called to serve, not be served. Once the leadership structure of elders is established in the church, the Lord then gives his ministry gifts to the church so it can function correctly, and the church can be fed the true spiritual food of the Lord. God has established the ministry gifts to teach, preach, and protect the flock of Christ. He gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors to equip the members of the church until they grow to maturity in Jesus Christ. These ministries are not appointed by men on the basis of a diploma or degree earned in a Bible school, a college, or a university. These gifts and ministries are given and appointed by God. And there are other gifts given to the church for the effective and efficient running of the church, including administrators, helpers, healers, and so on. It was also noted that the recipients of all these ministry gifts may be men or women because there is no distinction in Christ Jesus. The teaching of the church should always be from the scripture in the Bible and not any other source. The Bible contains the words of God and it holds all of the information we need to be able to learn the ways of God. It is through the dedicated application of these words that will lead us to salvation. 
The beginning teachings in the church should include the foundation teachings as identified in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and the church should follow these foundations, which include repentance, faith towards God, baptism in water, laying on of hands, especially for receiving the Holy Spirit, resurrection, and eternal judgment. These foundation teachings form the basis of the teachings that should be in the church. They are not an ending, but a beginning, as they are a foundation upon which the rest of the teachings of the Lord can be built. It is critical to the church that they understand the foundation teachings, especially freedom from sin, freedom from law, and righteousness by faith that we receive through faith and baptism. It is then important that the members of the church receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands and prayer, as shown in Acts chapter 8 and chapter 19. It is only by receiving the Holy Spirit and then learning to walk in the Spirit that the members of the church can gain victory over the passions of the flesh that lead people to sinfulness. Church meetings should follow the format laid down by Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, where people come together to learn, share revelations, hear prophecies, be taught the words of the Bible, sing and praise the Lord, and listen to the word being read, taught, and preached from the Bible. The church should also receive the breaking of bread or communion to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that the church always remembers and recalls his sacrifice so that we may live. The church does not need an altar or robes for the ministers of the church and no person should be considered more important than any other. The ministers of the church are appointed by God and they are called to serve the church, not be served by it, just as Jesus came to serve and not be served. The church does not need to have costly property or buildings to meet in. A hired hall is more than sufficient, and if the church is small enough, it's acceptable to meet in a house, as the early churches often did. If the church grows large enough, there are always bigger and bigger halls that can be hired, even stadiums, if the church grows that large. All of the false teachings that have infiltrated the modern church must be rejected. High on this list are the pagan teachings of Christmas and Easter, as discussed in chapter 26 of my book. We cannot serve God and follow the pagan practices initiated by the devil to fool the church. The church must reject all forms of paganism and false teaching if the church is to be spotless and without blemish as the bride of Christ must be. We are called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, and as stated in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. We cannot follow pagan practices and be perfect in the sight of God. And when we do follow some of those pagan practices, like Christmas and Easter, they are not worshipping Jesus. And if they're not worshipping Jesus, then who are they worshipping? They are pagan and they are worshipping the devil. The last of the false teachings is especially important because it is relatively new to the modern church, and that is the prosperity gospel. This is a false teaching that has no part in the modern church, but is more like capitalism or materialism than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be rejected as it is based on lies and will take Christians away from the truth. The few financial needs of the church should be financed by the process of free will giving. Tithing should not form any part of the teachings or practices of the church as discussed in the relevant post that I put up on financing the church. This is especially true of the warped and twisted form of tithing money as practiced in so many churches today that bears no resemblance to the old covenant laws of tithing. And besides, in Christ, we have been set free from the old covenant law, which includes the laws of the tithe.
Free will offerings are the way the Lord established for funding the church, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. There is to be no pressure on people to give or the free will offering then becomes an exaction. This is the overview and summary of what the church should be like and should look like. It's not complex, it's not hard to to do, but it's simple, just as the truth of the gospel of salvation of Jesus Christ is simple, so that every person on earth can understand it if they have a will to come to Christ. Let us keep hold of the truth of the gospel and so prove ourselves to be part of the church and the bride of Christ. Also, it is essential that we find the right path for the church so that we are not like the church described in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, which says this, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the name of being alive, and you are dead. Awake and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death, for I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep that and repent. If you will not awake, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. The aim of this book is to build a living church and not be like the dead church described in these words. Why was this church at Sardis called dead? Because the Lord had looked at what they were doing and found them lacking. Their works and actions were not found to be perfect in the sight of the Lord, and this is what he would see in many of the churches today. Many of the churches today have removed the life from the church, and so they are dead. The ministries are dead or dying because they are not following the truth of the gospel, and the churches are not structured or run in accordance with the truth, as has been shown in this series of podcasts that I've put up here and in my book. Following the structure and processes identified in my book, The True Church of God, which are all taken from the scriptures, will go a long way towards ensuring that the church aligns with the way the Lord wants his church to operate. So that's it from this session. Next time I'll be starting something new. This is the end of the series on what the true church of God should look like. So that's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. 